to the Big Ed Idea Podcast, a podcast for those looking to change the world through education. Each week, we bring you a new idea, however big or bold it is, that has the potential to disrupt, upheave, or remix education. Now, here's your host, my dad, Ryan Scott. Welcome back to another episode of the Big Ed Idea Podcast. Um, this is this is episode 34. Man, that is awesome. It's getting up to very close to actually how old I am. Um, so yeah, this is really cool. 34 episodes in. And I'll, I'll tell you, this is a guy uh, today that I've got on this episode that uh, I first hooked up with probably, man, maybe a year ago through it, all this COVID stuff. Um, and he, um, him and his ideas are definitely kind of definitely suited, well suited for this podcast. So I'm super excited to get him on this evening. Um, being a music connoisseur, um, this guy's um, love of music and the way that he has wove it in with the education world and uh, the way him and his buddy have started a podcast centered around music and education um, just lit my fire. So I'm super excited to introduce my friend, Mike Earnshaw. Uh, some of you guys out there may recognize him from the Punk Rock Classroom podcast. That's how I first uh, was introduced to him. But he is also, and I would say probably most importantly, he's a dad. He's a husband. Did not know about this about him, but he is a marathoner times five. Holy crap. He's a skateboarder. He's a speaker, an inspirer, an author, and I don't know how I didn't know this, but he is from Lansing, Illinois, not Lansing, Michigan. Uh, Mike, thank you very much for being on the Big Ed Idea podcast. Ryan, thank you so much. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, yeah, Lansing, Illinois, it's like a lot smaller. Everyone always hears Lansing, they assume Michigan, so it's all good. So in 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 relation to Chicago, where's Lansing? It's south. Lansing is the last town before you cross over into Indiana. Um, so I'd oh, say it's okay. about, you know, like 20, 25 miles from Chicago. Oh, right on. Yeah. Right on. So uh, several years back, I had the privilege and the opportunity to take an Amtrak from Carbondale, Illinois, up to Chicago for ISTE. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, which was freaking awesome. So cool. Um, but I love the Chicago area. So so that's really cool. But, but man, thank you for being on. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, so for my viewers out there, before uh, we click that record button, we were talking a little bit about this is my first time of recording during the day. Um, normally, Mike and I were talking, normally we have to rush home from work and, you know, I've got four kids and two dogs and a wife. And so I'm trying to cook dinner and do everything. And and then squeeze some time into these podcasts. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes you're just, you're beat. But today I am full of energy. Um, it is early in the morning, not early-ish. It's early-ish yeah. morning. Um, I'm ready to go. I am ready to talk about Mike and his big ideas. So Mike, are you ready to kind of jump into this? Oh yeah, I'm ready. Coffee's flowing. Let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So I've already had my coffee. I've already had my pre-workout. I've had my chai tea. Now I'm on water. So, all right, man, I did not know this about you. I don't, I don't really, maybe I'm just, I know I am. I, I miss a lot of things. I did not know that you were an author. Yeah. So, um, it's my book's coming out. It's actually in templating right now. 
Um, so I'm hoping to, within the next couple of weeks, kind of get like, you know, my proof to, to give the approval for, and then uh, hopefully get the date. I'm, I'm hoping the book comes out uh, like in August before the school year starts, because um, it's, it's the Educulture Cookbook. And it kind of came from- I love that name. You know, it, yeah, it's the Educulture Cookbook, colon, recipes and dishes to uh, positively transform uh, classroom and school culture. And the way it came about was, um, you know, I, I, if I didn't go into education, I would have become, I would have went to culinary school. Right. Cool. So cool. I worked in a, I worked in a little bar, bar in a, a kitchen in town where I grew up for many, many years, started off as a dishwasher, worked my way all up to one of the head headline cooks. And, uh, I just loved it. I loved, um, the whole atmosphere of working in a kitchen and working with the team and all that is very different than education. Amen. Um, but I, but I do love what I do now. So anyway, I was writing it, you know, I was, I was blogging one day and my daughter was kind of like, hey, are you, are you writing a book? I'm like, well, hopefully one day. And then it just kind of clicked, you know, I'm like, I do a lot of like cooking or recipes with my kids. And then I got education. School culture is like my passion, right? It's, it's, without school culture, positive, collaborative, you know, loving, fun culture, like no one's going to succeed. That includes like the staff, you know, parents and students, most importantly. So the book, the way it's written, I'm a storyteller, you know, I, I like to, to talk and tell my stories and make people smile and feel good and laugh. Um, if you ever come and see me speak, you know, it's, there's, it's, it's not me just reading all bullet sure. points, you know, sure. it's just all my, my PowerPoint is all pictures and I'm telling the stories behind the pictures. And so the book, like a punk rock show, exactly. Right. So the book it's, it's each chapter, you know, it, it could be read in any order, but you should read it because there are little things interwoven that, you know, if you skip a chapter, you're not going to understand what I'm referring to, but for the most part, it's just things I've done. Cause I've been on my campus. I'm going into my eighth year's principal where I'm at. And the culture was in a good place when I got there, but we, I've, I've really worked with the staff and we together have really made it like this, this collaborative environment where we're all in for all the kids, not my kids in this class or not your kids over here. And so it's just all these activities. A lot of stuff is what I've done at my staff meetings, because again, my staff meetings, it's we're not just sitting in the library having me give information you know if i if it's just info i give it to you in an email and we're up and we're moving and we're outside on the playground doing activities um you know covid threw a wrench so a lot of these are kind of pre-covid stuff but now we can get back to it that's right um so yeah it's in it then at the end of each chapter I've got a vignette from just amazing educators many who i've never met face to face many who are in my building um you know, that kind of share their story based on that chapter. And then, uh, then there's a, it's a cookbook, man. So there's a recipe card. So you know how that's really cool. Like so real know, recipes. So, so basically how it is, is, you know, how like you read an educational book and then six months down the road, you're like, Oh, I remember reading that. And then you're trying to flip through you. Right. You're looking for your highlights and your post-its. Well, I wanted to make a recipe card where it's got like a brief, little brief uh, synopsis, I guess, you know, here's what you need, here's how you can do it. So let's say um, you're like, oh, I wanna do Struggle Island stew in my next faculty meeting. Rather than go and read through the whole chapter again, 
you can go to the recipe card and boom, it just kind of reviews. And, you know, it looks like a recipe card. It's got it's a freaking awesome ingredients. Idea. So then the, the, the one thing, you know, so the recipe cards are in the back of each chapter, but we're also looking, um, I've got it where they're also online. So there's a QR code. So you can, cause we don't carry books around anymore. Right. Nope. So you can scan it and save it on your phone. So you've, you've got uh, these recipe cards, you know, at, at all times. Um, there's maybe some other things we may do with the recipe cards too, but yeah, like, so it's, you know, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of like citing of educational publications and jargon and research. I mean, these are, look, these are things that we've done in our building to bring us together. And even though I've been an administrator for 10 years, you count my AP years, the book's not written for, for educational leaders to do with their staff, the way it's written, because everything I do with my staff, it's so I would expect, hey, you like this activity we did at the staff meeting, do the same thing and adapt it to your class with your kids. Right. So, I mean, teacher, paraprofessional, school leader, I mean, it's, it's, it's for everybody, man. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully the world enjoys it. I, I enjoy it. I mean, and these are the things that I just love to do. So, and for my listeners, I'm going to drop that the name of that book um, and the publisher and and some information uh, on the show notes because this is Thank definitely you. a book um, I'm going to be picking up. Um, I love the idea about the recipe cards. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, side note: my wife and I are very different cooks. Um, I. <laughs> in the kind that I need a recipe and I follow it to the T and like, I'm kind of OCD about that kind of stuff. And my freaking wife can just pop into the kitchen and throw shit together. Do and it, right. do, boom, you know? <laughs> right. So, um, but um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that book. I think, well, I think the, the idea is awesome. The thing is too, Ryan, like I say in my intro, no recipes followed to a T, right? <laughs> so you know your staff, you know your students. So like the things that maybe I've done, you might be able to say like, I want to do this, but I need to tweak it this way, tweak it that way. I mean, sure, sure, sure. And that's what it's all about. I mean, it's just me giving some ideas. I'm not telling you. And, and you know, a lot of these things are things I've learned through other educators, through Twitter. It's the best um, way. Through seeing people at conferences, you know, and, uh, obviously I've reached out to them. I'm like, Hey, I want to, I want to include this in my book. And everyone was like, yeah, go for it. Yeah, so right. then luckily I was able to get that, you know, the person that I learned um, something from, I was like, Hey, I'm, I want to write about this, how I implement it. Like, yeah, definitely do it. I'm like, would you be willing to put a vignette in there? So, you know, to have their support and it's, yeah, it's I, like I said, hopefully, uh, hopefully shake things up in some schools and classrooms for people. That's rad. That's rad. No, I love it. Um, I'll tell you one, one party that you, something you just talked about that really resonates with me is that the uh, restaurant industry, because um, I did not become a teacher till I was 27. And prior to that, uh, prior to that, I bartended for five years. Um, I served at Denny's. I served at uh, bars. I served at um, Chili's. Um, I was a line cook for a while. I was a fry cook for a while. Um, during my wandering years, when I left college, I decided to move to Louisville and I washed dishes at a barbecue restaurant, which was horrible. Um, but yeah, I totally can relate to that, um, to that atmosphere of the, of the restaurant and I totally get it. So, um, that's, that's really cool. It's, it's funny you say it too, because 
I do miss, I do miss that atmosphere. Obviously, you know, right now I, I'm where I need to be, but it's funny because I got a buddy, one of my best friends, he's, a, he's an iron worker and, you know, my brother was 41. an iron worker. It's 41, 42. And he's like, I, there's no way I'm going to be one of these seven year old guys still doing this, you know, cause it's, it's, it's a tough yes, job. And he, he is huge into like smoking and grilling. I mean, he's got three or four huge smokers it is in his backyard and he's talked about wanting to open up a place and then it's funny because we got another um a cousin of one of my brother-in-laws him and his neighbor have been doing home brews for a while and then they've talked to me also like well you got the experience of like yeah, right, running man. a kitchen so it's one of those things it's like who knows five 10 20 years down the road do we open our own little brewery smokehouse i don't know amen but man it, it, it's exciting thinking about things like that, you know. Amen, man. Amen. That's awesome. So, we have we've we've talked a little bit about your past. So, um, one thing I always like to talk, and I always want our listeners to know, is kind of how education found you, because I, you know, I truly feel it's a calling, and I truly oh, yeah. feel it's it's a purpose person's purpose. Um, so, how did education find you? You know, it's kind of. It's it kind of started in high school, I think. Like, was it something you always yeah. knew you wanted to do? No, honestly, I wanted to be a lawyer. Right. You know, and that's that. That was my my goal. But growing up, you know, I was a skateboarder, listening to punk rock. I had the mohawk and and you know, the spiked bracelets and dog collars on my neck. And did you have the wallet chain? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah me too. The wallet chain and the Jinkos. And, uh, yep. 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 Size 60 inch pants. <laughs> right. But so, you know, a, a good handful of people had written me off and stereotyped me. Amen. And, uh, you know, because of that, you know, it, it, when I got into high school, you know, I was, I, I didn't touch drugs. I didn't drink. I didn't do anything. And then I think, you know, after, about the first year or so and so many people just prejudging me I kind of fell into that role right and um grades started slipping I started not caring about other things and uh there was a couple teachers you know three or four of them that really saw past everything and would always spend the time to talk to me and you know push me, you know, seeing the potential I had. I mean, I was in all honors classes, you know, when I went into high school and then I was at risk of getting dropped from all those because everything, you know, I, I kind of put school yeah. aside and then, yeah. uh, so it was those teachers, you know, and then I kind of got my act together, finished off high school, you know, pretty decently. Um, and then it was in college. And like I said, I had no idea what I want to do. I want to take some time off. And I was like, no, if you take a year off, I know you'll never go back. So I went right into school, you know, college. And then, um, it's about a year and a half, and my parents are like, "What are you gonna do?" I'm like, "I don't know." <laughs> I you know don't I'm just—I I, was—I was working in just the kitchen. Out. Yeah, I was working at the restaurant. I was taking classes, having fun, and taking a lot of sociology classes. And um, I—I kind of kept always thinking back to some of those teachers I had that really just engaged me and made that difference. You know, if it wasn't for them, like who knows where I would have the route, the road I yeah. would have taken. So yeah. I was like, you know, what, I'm gonna. I need to do that for the other, for the kids who were like me that, you know, we can still, I know it's that cliche saying, but, you know, I kind of looked at like my, my past and, you know, how I, I was a little different, stood out from the crowd. And I'm like, I'm going to be, I want to be there for those kids. And then uh, I love teaching, man. I, I loved it. And uh, 
I never thought I would get into administration, right? And I remember it was, it, I was chaperoning in a basketball game. It was the school year before my wife and I were gonna get married. We got married in June, um, you know, being a teacher, you know, perfect time to be off, take a honeymoon. So it's so, so sad. I, we gotta do that. <laughs> right. Every, well, it's funny. You look at social media, everyone, everyone's like, happy anniversary, happy anniversary. It's like, oh, you're a teacher, aren't you? Yeah. Right. So, so I remember my, I was talking to my principal, my assistant principal, and I was like, well, I'm going to go back to school when I get, you know, I want to get my master's when I come back from my honeymoon. And I'm like, what are you going to get it? And I'm like, I don't know, just like, you know, education, like curriculum or whatever. And they're like, you should go for administration. I kind of laughed at them. I was like, I'm like, what? No, I'm like, I do not want to be an administrator. Like, no, you've got the qualities that it takes. Um, and it will, even if you don't decide to do it, it's going to open more doors for right. you. Right. So I, I kind of sat on it. I'm like, all right, whatever. So it was pretty, pretty close in the early into my, my uh, master's that I was like, man, again, that cliche saying you can reach more kids than the 30 in your classroom. I'm like, I really liked that aspect of it. So um, that's kind of how I fell into administration. You know, I got an assistant principal role, did that for two years, which I wish I would have done it longer. I tell everyone, and every time I speak at conferences, I say, if you're an assistant principal, do that as long as you can, because it's almost like, it's like the perfect role in administration because yeah. you've got responsibilities, but you don't have, I don't want to, I don't want to say like, it's not baggage, but like, there's just things as a principal that are going to take you away more from your family. They're going to sure. take up more of your time. Sure. You know, they're going to cause you more stress. Sure. And you know, it's the AP role. It's, I loved it. I loved it so much. Um, but I, but when you're ready, cause I've seen people who want to make that jump and they want to do it because of a financial sure. gain that's not telling them like i'm like do not become a principal just to make more money i go ride out the ap as long as you can get as much experience work with your principal um about like ask them like so you because when i became a principal i just was kind of thrown in man (laughs) and there were things i learned i was like shit like (laughs) i had no idea my my principals had to deal with this or do this so um i mean both roles are great but yeah that's that's kind of my education story that's awesome uh, again, man, super, 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 like eerily similar. Um, I was definitely exactly the type of kid like you were, you know, like, uh, 94, I was wearing, you know, Kurt Cobain cutups, yeah. uh, sleeves on my sweaters and stuff. And, uh, was very goth at that time and had the, uh, had the wallet chain and the big pants and all of that stuff. And then, um, a little bit later, I, found the world of grateful dead and fish and started going down that <laughs> yeah. route. And, uh, yeah. So I, I totally get it. I totally get it. And it was those teachers and you're exactly right. That's why I think that's the style of teacher I want to be or administrator. I want to be, I always want to be, you know, yeah. I love the kids from the middle class, two parent households. I love it. I mean, that was me. Right. I didn't come right. from a yeah, me, background. Right. Me too. But I really, somehow have always um understood those kids on the fringes and those are the yeah. kids that i fight the hardest for so that's really Definitely. cool I, lo- I love that you know we have that in common um 
let's jump into this two for two segment because I know a lot about you now, but I want to know even more. And so I've got some questions that have literally nothing to do with education. All right. All right. So these, these are the nerve wracking ones. No, oh, these are the fun <laughs> ones. So you alluded to this a little bit, but I'm just going to, I'm just going to go out on a limb and ask you this one. How did you propose to your wife? Ooh, that's a good story, man. Yeah. Um, all right. So we have, so my wife and I, I'll try to make this short. I, I, I dated her best friend in high school oh, for, for about, dang. you know, so I, I'm a, I was a junior, she was a freshman. I dated her best friend for, uh, you know, about two years. And then um, she actually dated one of my good friends, one of my skateboarding buddies. And uh, he was my age. So then it was funny. Um, I had broken up with uh, my girlfriend and she'd broken up with her boyfriend. And so my wife and I started hanging out and uh, then, you know, obviously one thing led to another, but because of the group we were in, we kept it a secret for, it was a secret man for, I'd say probably three or four years. Wow. Um, now, now, ever now at this point, you know, her, her ex-boyfriend, my friend, he'd kind of moved on and, and gone away to college. So he was someone out of the picture, her and her best friend, we're not talking anymore really and not nothing to do with me or anything like that it was because um you know she uh kind of went a different path yeah life um and i remember it was my wife's 21st birthday we were out at uh celebrating her birthday at a bar her older sisters you know i told you before she comes from family five girls two older than her two younger and uh her sisters tricked me. They were like, oh, you know, Megan, that's my wife's name. Like, Megan, Megan told us about you. I was like, oh, she did. I figured. And they were like, oh, we knew it. So anyway, <laughs> so that's how it kind of came out. And then, uh, but so ever since, you know, I can remember her sister was the first one to get their own house. We would do Halloween parties and our group Halloween's a big thing. So in everyone, every couple would kind of always do a theme, right? So um, I was talking to her sisters one day and I was like, I'm, I'm going to propose I'm like you should do it at the Halloween party. I'm like, that's a cool cool. idea. So how we did it is, um, one, I wanted our theme to be, um, actually her idea was she wanted to be Reagan from the exorcist and I would be the priest. And then her sister's like, you can't let her have her engagement pictures looking like Reagan from the exorcist. I'm like, why not? So we ended up being, she was a flower and I was like a gardener or something or a farmer. Um, but we had it all planned out where we were playing charades and I was acting out like, you know, getting oh, out wow. of me. And, but I didn't pull the ring out. Right. I, Cause it was charades. It was a game. And the way they made some weird rules where only she could guess for her team. And I was the one giving the clues for my team. And she like, wouldn't say it. So then eventually, you know, I pulled out the ring and I was like, cause I was like, well, I'm like, since you're not getting it, I'm going to talk a little bit. And <laughs> I, gave, I gave this speech and then she put the ring on and I was like, well, you didn't say yes. And she's like, oh yeah. She was so excited. She said, yes. And later on down the road, I'm like, when we were playing charades, why didn't you guess proposal? She goes, cause I didn't want to look stupid if that's what <laughs> it really was. And you weren't. So yeah, I proposed at the uh, Halloween party. Dude, that's an awesome story. Yeah, that is so cool do, to this day every halloween we still get together and uh you know the venues change you know we now we've gone to other people's houses but it's always the same core group and uh do our halloween parties now that's the awesome kids are, kids are there too and yeah that's awesome 
I proposed to my wife on top of uh, a mountain on the Appalachian Trail on, oh, at nice. sunrise. Yeah, it was That's real awesome. cool. It was real That's cool. Awesome. The, we don't have any pictures because I woke her up and literally she never didn't do her hair. And, you know, uh, <laughs> right. I thought she looked beautiful. She didn't really think so. So, but yeah, that's awesome. So on that same vein, what gives you joy? Oh, my family. Yeah. Um, yeah, seeing absolutely. Them, seeing them happy, seeing them, you know, sharing laughs with them. Um, and not, you know, especially my wife and my two kids. And recently in March, we got ourselves our first dog. So, you know, the animals part of the family too. But just, like I said, my wife comes from, a family of five girls so they're they're all very close so that's our core group of friends and then just spending time with them and just outside of that i mean just making other people happy i mean even even at school i never call work at school that's right you know seeing staff genuinely excited and laughing like i love walking into the to the teacher's workroom when they're eating lunch and the conversation doesn't stop because I walk in. Right. To me, that that's like an indicator of a, a positive culture yeah, where absolutely. it's not just people bitching. They're yeah. actually sharing stories and things about their life. And you know, seeing seeing kids just light up in class when they get something or they're excited to share what they've learned. So honestly, that's probably the number one thing that seeing others and especially knowing what I've contributed to to kind of bringing them that joy. Absolutely, man. Yeah, that's a great one. I, I would completely agree with you on that. And that, that gives me wonderful joy as well. Yeah. Even when my kids fight, um, mm -hmm. I still love them. <laughs> so, Mike, what questions do you have for me? All right. So I got, yeah, my, I got my two questions. First question is, let's say I was going to, I'm going to give you some money to go out for lunch. Sweet. All right. Yeah, it's on me. And you can bring anybody you want with you. Famous, not famous, alive, dead, past, present for you know an hour long lunch conversation who are you going to take with you and why okay so this one ebbs and flows so um like i could go with a music guy um but i actually read um uh, president obama's recent book most recent book i read it over covid um and i just i just love his mannerisms um, I love his sense of service towards just everybody. I love his past. I think he's super down to earth. Um, like I, I really think I could sit down with a beer or a bourbon with, in a bourbon with him and just shoot the shit like two guys. Like, I don't feel like, like, and maybe this is, maybe it's untrue, but I feel like I could sit down with him and it would just be like two dudes swapping stories you know, yes, there'd probably be some big seven foot tall secret service dudes <laughs> right. um, around us, but I just feel like genuinely um, he's a genuine dude. And, um, right. you know, regardless of, you know, what your political affiliations are and all of that stuff, I don't know if every president is like that. I would agree with you. And I haven't read his book. It's on my, it's on my, it is good. List. It's long, long, long. That's what I've that's what I've heard. So it's on my reading list. I just you know it's one of those things you look at. You're like, uh, maybe the next one. Yeah, right. Um, but I agree with you just from just from interviews and and everything. And even did you listen to his podcast with no. uh, Bruce Springsteen? No. Oh, I'll to, listen. I'll to, you should I'll listen. It is. He's got about maybe seven episodes. 
Okay. Um, seven or eight episodes, but it is real and raw, and they both talk about their past. It's really nice. good. Yeah. He and and ever since you know his term has ended, you could just tell like there's just like this. Yeah. But um, he's he's got way more of that. Hey, I'm a oh. normal dude. Let's just hang out and like you yeah. said, have a beer, have a drink, and yeah, yeah. That's a good answer. That's a good answer. And I've never. So that's one of my interview questions when I when I hire. Yeah, right. New people, you know, that's it's it, I always end with that one. And um, I've heard people give that answer for him before, but not like you did. And I'm like, I liked your approach more because, you, you know, sometimes when I when I'm interviewing a candidate for a teaching position, they're trying to like they think there's an answer I'm looking for. A and it's like, no answer. Yeah, I'm just looking. I want to find out about you. Like, yeah, I'm right. looking, will you mesh into our culture? All right. So my second question. You know, you watch movies and TV shows and there's like a, a, a theme song that plays when somebody walks down the street, you know, like, so if you were to have your own theme song that whenever you walk down the street or walked in a store, or walked down the halls at school, what would your theme song be? Woo. Okay. Now this one. <sighs> so I could go with the happy go lucky song. Like, you know, here comes the sun. Right. Um, I could go with, um, so there is a song by uh, Jimi Hendrix that isn't super popular. It's called Machine Gun. And it's just got this, it's just got this drum beat. That's just like, and it, and, and it was, it was his way that, the way that the song was written and the way that the song is played is supposed to sound like you're in battle or something okay. um, with the Very guitar riffs and the drums and stuff. And so I don't know why that's popping up in my head, but yeah, like for you and for those listeners out there, if you get the chance to Google machine gun by Jimi Hendrix, it's just, it's a phenomenal song. Yeah. I'll have to check that out too, but it's, that's a hard question because it's yes you got different you got different yes. um moods and things and different you know environments so to pick one i think it's funny i i think mine and you know even though like you know i'm, I'm into punk rock and hardcore and metal and all this aggressive music you know that's my forte i think my song would probably be um take on me by aha oh you know, yeah like just I don't know why I I am a huge gone me. I'm a huge fan of like that 80s type of pop. I love sure. love 80s. I'm like finding music, yeah. you know, like Cindy Lauper, every every, every yes, like everything. So right. yeah, that'd be mine. I almost um so I, I also like Curtis Mayfield and like mm -hmm. um so like yeah, I could totally do some of that also. Like I wouldn't do the pusher man because that's just got a really bad connotation. Um, <laughs> but he he has some really good like swanky songs that just like, right. oh, yeah, we're going to have fun. You know, yeah, this, this dude's bringing the fun. So, yeah. Awesome. All right, nice. my, my man. So uh, now that we know quite a bit more about each other, um, let's jump back into the realm of Ed. Um, you know, the whole name of this whole podcast game is the big ed idea because um what i really wanted to do was to connect the um passion of one with the vision of another um simon sinek says it really well you know not everybody's got to have the vision sometimes it just takes you 
your passions connecting with somebody's vision. And so what I really like to do is just get it out there, somebody's vision, somebody's big idea um, about how they could change the world of or through education. And so before we jump into that idea, I kind of got to know what do you see as a problem in education um, that your idea kind of hopes to alleviate? The problem in education, I think, is there's so many people who kind of decide where schools and districts and are going to fall and be ranked and be funded. And, and Josh, my co-host, and I just talked about this on um, our latest episode of uh, our podcast, uh, you know, what will we change in education? And I said I would change how we use state assessments. Um, and he talked about the funding, you know, how we give funding to, to certain schools. And it seems like if you're performing well on your assessments and you have more property taxes and you're a wealthier area, like you're going to get more funding the money. And it's so it, it, it's extremely backwards. And with state assessments too. Now I wrote a blog a while back, a couple of years ago, um, called, uh, I think I called it out of step. And I talked about how I, I had a parent meeting and I told them, you know, my first thing I said to them in the meeting was, I don't care about test scores. And they were kind of thrown off by that because what principal saying, I don't care about test scores. But then I went to explain how, you know, here's why, and here's what my goal is. And with putting relationships first and just building each other up, we're going to get the test scores that we need. But I feel like the problem is, and I'm not anti-assessment, you know, Dave Schmidt wrote a phenomenal book. Um, right. We got to have it. You know, you're using data for educate or, or, oh God, I can't, yeah, I can't right. believe I don't, but it's whatever. It's like how to use data for people who hate data, but love kids. Right. Right. Um, and, you know, the state assessments, they rank you against everybody. And it's almost like they're making like this pecking order, you know, and, the people who are on top of that mountain, those districts, especially, and I'll speak for Illinois where I work, those top five, six, seven schools are never gonna get knocked off the top of that mountain. And the rest of us with this imaginary line that just keeps every year, it's like, oh, well, here's your cutoff now and here's your cutoff and here's where you're gonna fall. It's like, we're just clawing our way, getting nowhere. I mean, my school is, we're considered a targeted school because Two years ago, we had a subgroup that did not meet our threshold. You know what our subgroup was yeah, yeah. that didn't meet it? Special education. Well, that's we across the country. Ryan. Exactly. Our special education missed it by like literally two or three points. So you're having these kids who are already grade levels behind. They have individualized education plans. And you're telling, you're telling us they need to meet the same imaginary line as everybody else with a, a test that's not individualized to them, but we give everything else them all. So anyway, so we've been in this targeted area because last year with COVID, well, nothing happened. Now this year, well, we're taking a state assessment, but it doesn't mean for anything. We yeah, just want right. to see where you're. So I think if we actually used state assessments instead of ranking schools, but used it, hey, what is the theme everyone is struggling with? Is there something every school, like every third grader missed on, you know, multiplying fractions or whatever it is. And then that's an area we target together because right now, 
education's big business, right? It's a corporation. It and, absolutely is. And if we truly looked at education as we're all in this to better our kids for all of our futures, not pitting schools and districts against each other, imagine the difference like it would make, man. It's but I'm just no. one guy. I don't know. One of my, no. one of my favorite quotes is education is not a competitive sport. Uh-huh. Um, but we've made it that, uh, exactly. You know, I, I spent 10 years in the elementary land and, um, you know, when we would look at new, um, reading series, um, you know, they would take reading and teach reading in three years when at the advent of schooling, kids would learn to read very it, it, it did not take three years because you used right. the phonics approach. Right. Um, you know, in my own classroom, I deviated from the district and I used a phonetic program that was created in 1974. And my kids read fast, like two right. months I taught kids to read. But like you said, the big business of, well, if you can teach kids to read in 12 weeks, then we can't sell them these supplementals to, right. you know, so yes, I completely agree. So is that your big idea that we need to redevelop the way we do our assessments or do you want to tackle some other idea? No, because I, that is a, that is a big idea. No, I mean, the idea I'd want to tag, I mean, it's, and it's kind of goes back to um, the book that, that I got coming out. I really believe that through relationships you know, through, through working with each other and loving each other and helping each other. And, you know, I always say like my, my mission is my vision is that I'm going to empower students and not even students empower others to know that they've got areas of strength. They have areas to grow, but by collaborating with other people, you know, not being afraid to collaborate that, they can go out and use their voice and they have the power to change the world. And, you know, it has nothing to do with getting a kid a good test score. So, I mean, I feel, but through relationships and just this positive culture and, and embracing learning, you know, where it's not, you don't penalize somebody because it takes them, you know, it might take you one week to master a concept. It takes me three weeks. I shouldn't be penalized for that. Like we need to all come together and just empower our, our kids to know that they can make a difference. Yeah, man. Cause maybe they'll be, they'll be the ones to change education. I don't know. It's, it's pretty, I mean, it's a big goal. It's a big idea, but it's, I, I think it all starts with, it all starts with the, the culture in an individual classroom with that teacher and those 20, 30 kids. And then, then you branch it out to uh a school, you know, a school culture, and then a district culture. And you think of like kind of the ripple effect. I mean, it's, we can't look at education, you know, Adam Welcome always said, schools were not built for us to have jobs. Schools are here for kids. You know, we just happen to be fortunate that we get to, to guide them and let them own their learning and, and learn their, you how to use their voice. So it starts with, just building those relationships and, and getting kids to love learning, enjoy learning and know it's okay to fail. It's okay to not get something because your neighbor got it right away or, you know, maybe that's not your strong suit. So I don't know if we even answer your question, but. No, you absolutely, no, I think you totally did. Totally, totally, totally did. I'm, I'm intrigued and I am, um, I'd like to say one of my missions is to create a purpose-driven school. 
um, where every single person that is in that building from, you know, the custodians to the cooks to, you know, the office workers to the teachers to the students believe that they are there for a purpose. And the purpose is way bigger, like you said, than the test scores. It's way bigger than the grade card. To me, to me, it is all about the growth. It is all about yep. seeing where the kid started, where he ended. Um, you know, if one kid only grows five points in that year, celebrate the hell out of it because exactly. he grew five points. Um, and what we know, kind of what you alluded to earlier on that standards base, we know, and this is controversial and I don't care to say it, we know that our kids that are born in big and in, in nice families or uh, affluent places, we know they're going to be fine. Like mm -hmm. literally, if they had the worst teachers for 12 years, they're still going to be middle class and upper class when they graduate from high school. Right. Um, right. You know, upward mobility is not a thing that it used to be. Um, so for the most part, those kids are going to be kind of fine but if we focus and we really focus like you said on those relationship piece and on the connections piece and on the psychology of education to me the pedagogy is almost not that it's not important but it's secondary right does that make sense like i know that's oh yeah like i don't i don't i'm not trying for people out there because I've, I've been accused of this before i am not saying that pedagogy is not important i am not saying that that, you know, um, your essential questions, I'm not saying assessments, I'm not saying that stuff is not important. It's important. But at the end of the day, if the kid don't give two shits about the classroom, he ain't going to try. Exactly. You know, and I was accused of that my whole career, like, oh, you just, you just want to have fun. And you're just hanging out with the kids. And then even as a building principal, like what, you know, how, how what do you mean you're, you're painting pumpkins during a staff meeting? And, you know, there's all a whole, it's not just about having fun. Like, yes, we need to teach these standards. Yes, we have to have these kids prepared to take assessments and, you know, our, our map testing and our state assessment in March. And, you know, I'm not, you know, it's not just, hey, we're going to come in and, you know, have a party every day. No, but if you bring, you know, your passion and you enjoy being with others, it's going to be that much more, you know, meaningful. I, I'll never forget kind of, you know, we didn't talk about my whole background. Um, I, I've talked about it on my own podcast where my first few years as a building principal, I, I felt like I had to do that stereotypical role yeah. where I'm yeah. I'm in the office all day. I make my rounds and do some things and go back and work on the computer and answer phone calls and emails. And I was miserable. And then when I realized like, no, my job is to be out there in the classrooms with kids, with staff, um, and putting relationships first. And, and I remember at the end of that year, one of my, one of our teachers came up to me and, you know, our, our scores had all of our local assessment from our NWEA map scores, you know, went up, like we shot up and we never once put the focus. We need to make these better. Yeah. Um, our, that was, that was also the year where our, state assessment park scores iar scores were amazing but we had the one subgroup fall but because our special ed students actually had grown so much we were celebrating that until the state said well actually yeah right but so anyway at the end of the year i had a staff member come up to me and say you know 
I was didn't know how this approach was going to work when you were telling us to put relationships first and you know not don't worry about focusing on like this is what my lesson plan book says and if if there's another issue that comes up or those teachable moments like you know we did things where I made everyone not let me rephrase I didn't make everyone my system principal and I we encouraged everyone to do an out of your comfort zone lesson just do something for fun that you've always wanted to do but you know and and that was the same year all of our scores had rose and the staff member back to that story was saying it's so true that putting a relationship first and getting to know a kid especially and their family the difference it makes and i'm like now i didn't know how the year was going to go but of course i'm like yeah of course i know see? <laughs> and i'm like thank god it worked right but <laughs> that would have been bad it's, it's true had. you know it, it just people enjoyed being in our building and, and we'd have visitors come in and they're like, I could just tell this is just a great place to be. Um, Cause who doesn't want, who wants to go to like dreads going to work, you know? No one. And that's not right. what we should create for our kids. Right. either. Exactly. We want them running in our doors and wanting to be in school. So. Yeah. What you're talking about really touches on another passion of mine and that's learned helplessness. Um, you know, if you can create a school where kids are motivated to be there, where kids love to be there, you are going to counteract the effects of learned helplessness, uh, which so many of our, I know so many of our low socioeconomic kids, and I'm even seeing right. a lot of it in our upper, um, they just, you know, they feel like uh, they are born into this situation, that they're always going to stay in this situation. Um, right. But if they have something to work towards, like you're saying, and if they enjoy coming to work and if they enjoy, um, you know, and they, they do it for a bigger purpose, I guess. And even the kids too, if they realize, yeah. you know, I'm not just here to learn my multiplication facts. I'm here to, you know, I'm, I'm going to have fun. And right. um, I always told my students in my own class, you can't learn unless you're having fun. Right. So, you know, we made it a priority and guess what? My kids learned. Right. Same with mine. I mean, when I taught, we, we we were always up and moving and collaborating. And, you know, we, we, I taught um, English language arts. I mean, we, when we were, when I was teaching um, argumentative writing, I mean, we turned our whole classroom into a courtroom arguing the, the, the story of the three little pigs versus the true story of the three little pigs. Right. You know, with, Great book. And, and people are like, what do you mean you're dead? You're just having fun there. But it got the kids to see the point that I I'll never forget that one of my students had the most growth on our local assessments. And I remember the, there was a whole assembly. We were celebrating all these students and how well they did. And then for him, like he had the most growth of the entire school. And I remember some of my colleagues who just looked at me as like, Oh, he's just here to have fun and all that. were like, how did his because and then i had multiple kids like in the you know the top ranks who had done well like how did yeah. and i'm just thinking like there is like a method to the madness it's not yeah. just you know so yeah. yeah my next uh so i've got a tattoo scheduled for august but after that my next tattoo is going to be psychology before pedagogy um Nice. Just because like exactly what I feel like you do. Um, and, and I was a former high school soccer coach, select soccer coach and all that. And 
You know, you can teach your kids the skills till they're blue in the face. Um, but at the end of the day, if you don't motivate those kids, like, like Taylor Armstrong says to, um, get through the suck, um, cause you can't spell succeed without suck. If you can't teach your kids to get through those tough times, um, the tough learnings to, um, overcome the mistakes, um, none of the content, none of the pedagogy in my, in my humble opinion, um, mean squat. Nope. I agree hundred percent. Man, um, I'm going to start winding us down because uh, we have had a really, really good time. Uh, no, we I feel have we could hit... go a couple more hours. Oh, I know we could. <laughs> I know we could. But but here's the thing. I also know, like, if we get too long, my friends out there in uh, Edgesphere might turn us off. And Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> for those of you that are listening, thank you for not having turned us off by now. Um, but, Mike, this has been a very, very awesome time. Um, yeah, thank you. I, I, you know, maybe it's because it's during the day. Maybe it's because it's you. I don't know, but it's been really awesome. <laughs> uh, I, I've had a great time as well. Thank you. Um, to my listeners out there, if you want to connect with this dude, uh, there's a couple ways that you can do that. You know, you can definitely look for his podcast, Punk Rock Classroom Podcast. Um, I know it's on Spotify because that's where I listen, but, but Mike, where else is it? We got it on all the, the networks, the podcast networks, you know, Spotify, Apple, uh, SoundCloud. We're on the Teach Better podcast network. So if you go to the teachbetter.com, oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. go to the podcast network, you can find us there with a million, not a million, but a bunch of other great educational podcasts. Um, yeah. And, and the, the Twitter and Instagram handle, uh, if you don't mind, I'll shoot all those. Yeah, yeah that's quick. what I was going to ask you, actually. So for, for the podcast, both it's kind of nice. So for the podcast and Instagram or Twitter and Instagram, we got the exact same handle. So it's at punk classrooms. And then for myself, it's at Mike R Earnshaw. And that's both Twitter and Instagram. And Twitter is probably the best way to get a hold of me. Um, I'm on Voxer. You and I talked a little bit earlier about Voxer before we recorded. Um, I'm not the greatest with. <laughs> with keeping up on boxes. So, um, it, it usually one-on-one -on -one individual I am, but like group boxes, I'm not, but re hit me up on Twitter. And, uh, I, I just love talking to people. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I want to tell you before we leave, um, there definitely was a time in my life where as an administrator, I thought I had to live this, you know, uh, buttoned up tie, um, the collar that was too tight around my neck. Um, I kind of had to walk and talk this certain way and, um, you know, walk the line about how an administrator should be. And um, I got to tell you, there's two people that within the last two years have really blown that out of the water and give, given me um, license to be myself. And those two people are Hamish Brewer and you. Um, oh, well, thank you. I, I, no, I, and I, I sincerely mean that I heard Hamish talk at our, um, Kentucky administrators conference last summer. Um, and my thought behind that is if they would hire this, the skateboard, um, skateboard dude that's cussing and has tattoos and puts graffiti on his walls. If, if the state association would hire him to talk to all the administrators, then if I ever got in trouble for doing any of those things, I could just refer back to that. 
right um but then listening to your and josh's um podcast i love the out of the box idea i love the way that you have taken your own kind of um you know punk rock mentality um and flipped it on its head and put it to education and um i love the authenticity because i really feel like you are you are living your authentic self and for me i believe that's how we're how we're made uh kind of the way that we're supposed to be um and i think that's where your success would probably lie from um mike is mike whether he's at home whether he's at school whether he's um on the punk rock stage wherever he's at so mike i really appreciate you i really appreciate your friendship and um all that you do out there thank you i appreciate you too ryan thanks again for, yeah. for having me on. it was a great convo and i just do want to say it's funny that you say hamish brewer because it's when i saw him speak at nassp in chicago was it 2017 2018 um that's kind of what made me flip my switch that yeah, was right. that tran- real quick that was that transition year where i'm like i don't know if i want to stay in education i can't do the suit tie sit in my office i get it make my rounds and i saw him speak and i'm like all right i'm gonna embrace who i am you know i've always skateboarded i didn't just pick it up because he does i've skateboarded my entire life you know i talk about that in the book and um it's made a world of difference it's made me happier but i've seen the impact of me being authentic that it has on the staff, our students and our families even. So. Amen. Yeah. Hey, don't, don't hate me, but, um, I was a blader. Oh, that's all good. <laughs> it's all good. Don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, to my wonderful friends out there in the edge sphere and all those folks out there that are listening, um, you know, I try to say this every episode and I sincerely mean it, mean it. And if I, you know, don't say it well enough, I apologize, but for each of you that clicked play, and that have listened to this episode or any other episodes, I appreciate you. Um, and if there's anything that I can ever do for you, or if you ever have an idea, um, even if you don't work in a school, if you have an, an idea about education, shoot it to me. Let's hook up. Let's talk. Because uh, the world only changes for those that are um, ballsy enough to think that they can change the world. So uh, with that, I'm going to leave you with a quote from one of my favorite um, movies of all time, and that's Willy Wonka. And my quote for today is, we are the music makers and we are the dreamers of dreams. So to all those folks out there in education world or not education world, as I love to say, I will see you in the funny paper. Thank you for hanging out with me here on the Big Ed Idea Podcast. My hope is that this would be a conversation, a meeting of the minds and a space for one person's vision to inspire the passions of another. However, none of this can happen without you. So let's be change agents together and build a better future. Please subscribe or reach out to me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Come to the conversation with your passion, and together, let's build something awesome. 
Until next time, I'll see you in the funny paper. <laughs>